Welcome to the Robin Report podcast series with host, best-selling author, and CEO of the Robin Report, Robin Lewis. Each show delivers provocative, opinionated, and unbiased conversations about retail, brands, and consumer behavior from industry leaders and experts. For more information about The Robin Report, visit therobinreport.com. Now, let's get started with The Robin Report podcast series. Welcome to Robin Lewis Untapped, an unscripted series of podcasts of outspoken one-on-one conversations with former or current C-level giants across the retail industries and Robin Lewis, CEO and founder of The Robin Report. Robin co-authored The New Rules of Retail, Retail Seismic Shift. He's held senior positions at DuPont, VF Corp, WWD, and Goldman Sachs, and he's interviewed across major media. Quite frankly, he's an icon in the industry and perhaps a guru, but one thing's for sure, he is quite opinionated. Joining Robin today is Stacy Shulman, Vice President of Internet of Things and serves as Chief Innovative Officer focused on retail, banking, hospitality, and education sectors at Intel Corporation. She's responsible for IOTG's technical strategy and the incubation of emerging technologies across customer-focused vertical industries. Robin, take it away. Okay, Shelley, thank you very much. And Stacy, so nice to be with you again. And uh, thanks so much for, you know, having this conversation with me in the world of unknowns um, <laughs> to, um, you know, discuss all of the unknown issues or a lot of them, the challenges, and in some cases, the opportunities for the retail industry as it really does struggle its way through this pandemic, through a nearly collapsed economy, which is just now trying to claw its way back. And then, of course, you add to that toxic brew the possibility of another virus wave, I guess, civil unrest. And now we're heading into a presidential election, the likes of which we've never seen. So here we are, and we're about to enter the all-important holiday season for retailers, which, as you know, in normal times, it accounts for about 30% of their annual business. And they are totally unable to predict how this perfect storm will affect that outcome. So before we get into a lot of that stuff, please kind of give us a you know, a brief overview of what your and Intel's role in, in the retail ecosystem has been and how you guys add value. Yeah, sure, Robin. Thanks for having me on the on, on the podcast. Appreciate um, uh, meeting with all of you. So the, the role of Intel in retail, we, we don't work directly with retailers, but we work directly across the, the segment of retail. We, we look at the macro trends that are happening. We look at the problem statements that the retail industry has. And um, we look at then where are the gaps in the ecosystem to be able to put solutions in place to solve those big problems. And then we, what we do is as we work in retail, we look across those macro trends in all the industries that we service, whether it's medical, life sciences, retail, hospitality, education, all of those. And we look at are there macro trends that are going on across all of those segments that we can borrow from and learn from? And are there technologies that we can take from one segment and move it to another? So an example of that would be autonomous driving 
the technologies used in the autonomous driving segment were able to use in retail to talk about autonomous retailing. Yeah, you guys are on top of a lot of stuff. So specifically getting back into the mainstream kind of retail discussion and some of the issues, how, how do you, have you guys been able to speculate, even though it's unknown, uh, what this holiday season and what consumer behavior, behavioral changes, and some of it driven by the pandemic, uh, what kind of effect it will have on the shopping during the holiday season? And will it, most of it be online, do you think? Well, I think that, you know, people were going online anyways, and we were already having this conversation pre-COVID. Um, what COVID has done is it's taught people that online shopping is just fine. And you, you have a lot more selection. You have, um, you know, some some level of, uh, you know, believing that it's going to show up on your doorstep when you need it. And, um, and, and in the times that you don't, you're okay with going out and, and going to the store and shopping. So I don't anticipate that that's going to change at all in the holiday season. I, I think it's just going to uh, lock down even more. With that said, we're also seeing this pocket of people who really need that social interaction that shopping has provided in this time. So there's an open question for me personally on will the holiday season give people that excuse that they've been looking for to be able to get out of their home and do that shopping again to bring back some sense of normalcy to their lives. And so I, I think that there's, there's a pathway there. Um, you know, it's interesting. We, we were watching um, area 15. It's a project we've been working on for a while and we watched how their grand opening is happening and they're, they're doing it in a very responsible way. They've, they've, you know, lessen the amount of occupants that could be in there. But the attraction to that facility is strong right now. And I think part of it is that escapism that that we're looking for as consumers um, back out in the public. Um, but we want to feel when we're going into these shopping environments, we want to feel safe. And so I, I think all of these factors are going to come together this holiday season in a way that we haven't seen it come together before. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think the point you're making, though, that, you know, consumers are going to want a little bit of cheer in their life. Uh, and so maybe the holidays gives them some reason to spend a little more to get it. We will see. Um, going back a little bit, I know you uh, were at Levi uh, as the global brand vice president of technology for wholesale and retail plus all of your industry experience on the technology side, I would love to hear your view on the wholesale retail model, which has recently come under great scrutiny. Uh, so many retailers were caught with heavy inventory when stores closed. Uh, so inventory in the pipeline and orders and production. I even heard there is a much bigger push to the direct-to-consumer model. Can you talk in general about, about these things based on your past? Yeah, even pre-COVID, what we were seeing um, in China is we were seeing this, this trend emerge and, and grow really quickly of factory to consumer. And we're, we're seeing it in our manufacturing team who are outfitting the factories with the technology they need to be able to, to take that trend forward. Um, and, you know, initially these things were proof of concepts that were moving slow. 
once COVID hit, the, those, all of those um, proof of concepts accelerated. And the, the factory-to-consumer trend that we're seeing in China, we have no reason to believe that that trend's not going to spread to the U.S. and, other, and you know, the other parts of the West. And so I think that that's something that, um, one, brands really have to look at um, is how do they make sure that they can take the, the, their relationship with their factories and um, build a direct-to-consumer model that's inclusive of the factory and or figure out how to kind of protect that customer in, in some way and, and maintain that relationship with the customer. So I, I'm um, watching this trend pretty closely, personally. Yeah, you know, technology really makes a direct-to-consumer model a, a lot easier. And I've always been, uh, in terms of distribution, uh, the, the, the potentially most successful strategic model is a vertically inter- integrated model, where from creation to consumption, it's either owned or controlled by the brand so I, I think that's, I think there's going to be a lot more of that. Um, so do you have a view on what changes you think there will be in consumer shopping habits, you know, kind of forced by the virus? And what of those behaviors do you think will stick kind of going forward? And specifically among the um, next gen consumers, who essentially, as you know, will comprise the largest consumer segment. Yeah, I, I think that there's some there's a couple trends that that I think are happening right now, and we at NRF this last year we we talked about the trend of um, experiential versus convenience, and you know if I were going to change that that wording on it or the framing on it, I would say it's a trend of um, uh, fast and touchless to experiential. And I think that that I still believe in those two those two polarized um, choices for the consumer. Um, we're seeing more and more companies look at mm. how do you remove the friction when somebody needs something conveniently and they need it now. When there's that that sense of urgency for for the, what they're going to buy, how do you make that experience um, uh, you know easier for the customer? How do you make it so that the, the things that they interact with, they feel safe interacting with them. Um, touchscreen environments are being rethought. Um, cashier experiences are being rethought, you know, where everyone's putting shields in front of the cashier uh, and, and exploring how do we get, eliminate the cashier altogether and, and, and use more um, self-checkout. Mm. And then in self-checkout, you know, how do you move towards uh, an Amazon Go type model? So that, that I'm seeing those conversations accelerate. Additionally, I thought with COVID that we yeah. would see people start de-emphasizing experiential, but I'm actually seeing the exact opposite. I'm seeing companies start to look at, okay, what happens when people start getting back out there? Um, the need for interaction, the need for social, the need for that community center, um, you know, in their, in their environment, in their community is going to continue growing and get stronger. So having a great experience and defining the experience as differentiated is going to continue to grow. And so we're seeing still a lot of investment in that space too. Uh, so what, I'm, what, I, what I think is happening is COVID is, 
has um, accelerated the trends that were already happening in the market and in removing, I'd say, the the mm-hmm. obstacles that were put in there on you having to prove um, your ROI or MPV on a project before looking at it. COVID's accelerated those conversations as well. Yeah, I think you're, I totally agree with you on all of those points, which is going to, again, be very interesting to see how retail responds uh, to those continuing demands from, from, from consumers and sustainability and all that other stuff, I think is a big part of what these new young consumers are going to be driving. So you, um, this is great. You're currently on the global pandemic team with XPRIZE. Can you tell us a little bit, bit about the work that you're doing across industries in that whole thing? Sure. Yeah, there's a couple things. One, I'm, I'm on the XPRIZE pandemic, and, and recently I've taken over all of health and life sciences for Intel as a company and, and drive all healthcare and, and life sciences business for the company. Um, on the Pandemic Alliance, um, my role there is, is really a listening role as a tech advisor um, for, uh, I'd say, big thinkers who need to solve uh, this this challenge in the healthcare industry and and across all the things that touch uh, a person that needs care, which is basically all the consumers in the industry as well. And so, you know, the conversations that we have in that pandemic alliance is how do we mobilize organizations to to focus on a common problem so we can solve it together? Because all too often, you know, we're solving problems as an industry as a as a you know, um, as people that we feel drive the best benefit to us personally as our own companies. And so this pandemic alliance is really about widening that and asking the question of what are the problems that just need to be solved? Um, Whether it's going to benefit your company or not, it's going to benefit humanity. What are those problems and how do we lean in as, as a, you know, combined effort to help solve those and how do we incentivize others to solve those? So the Pandemic Alliance, we, we started a series of competitions. We, we did a mask competition where, you know, people would be uh, awarded um, money for creating a better mask, a better N95 mask. And we, we started another competition on rapid testing where, you know, we're awarding $5 million to five different teams, you know, million dollars each to, to inventing uh, a new test that gives results um, very quickly and the test is, you know, affordable, which is under $4 a test. And so though that competition is kicked off as well. That's a global competition that's, that has, um, I believe, over 700 teams now that signed up for it. Wow. So that's some of the work that we're doing in the Pandemic Alliance. And we're also having discussions in there on how do you get people safely back to work and how do you get the commerce engine going again, which is a very important part of the health conversation. Yeah, so do you want to go a little further on that? In other words, how do they get back, you know, to business? This is fascinating what you're doing here. Um, in, in, across all of those sectors that you're dealing with, uh, are there any kind of uh, best practices in those other sectors other than the, the mainstream retail that you think could apply? Uh, in the retail area. Are you all guys already doing some of that? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It's 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 pretty broad. Um, let me pick a couple that I think are trends across all of it. In in um, healthcare, as an example, lots of usage of um, now I'll get into technologies of computer vision to look at fetal healthcare monitors and, and improving that and other technology that same technology being used in robotics so that you can leverage robots in the hospital for better patient care and more sanitized patient care. So those same technologies and those same approaches, um, when we export those into retail, as an example, now we have something that is technology that allows you to look at um, safe occupancy rates or in the restaurant industry and being able to understand are people washing their hands? Um, you know, people back of house, your chefs, your food workers, are they washing their hands appropriately and, um, and minimizing any potential to spread disease so that that hygiene we're, we're seeing um, and all the things that allow for that hygiene to happen, we're seeing um, happen in the healthcare industry and we're able to take those learnings and move them back into retail and so we're we're seeing a lot of acceleration of those those conversations right now, um, and yeah, I would say my my favorite one right now though is is the robots. Yeah. I've always loved robots, so <laughs> it's it is phenomenal what's going on, and, and you're in a great spot, Stacy. You know, I think <laughs> did you ever think when you were in school that you'd end up as VP of Internet of Things? I mean which probably didn't even exist at the time. But seriously, um, yeah, I mean, before the internet and all, you know, things, technology, God, retailing was about guessing what consumers wanted or needed, literally. Uh, And months months into the future, forecasting how much of it and when, and all based on history, last year's sales, maybe a little bit of consumer research. Then sourcing the production with enough lead time to get the goods into the warehouses and time to distribute all across stores across the country. And then holding their breath and crossing their fingers that, that consumers would come to their store and prove that their literally hunches were either correct or not. And of course, following all that, the bloodbath of promotional craziness. You know, all this stuff we've been talking about for a long time. So just kind of big picture, you know, how has the Internet and technology changed this antiquated process? And how does it look now? And how has it benefited consumers and retailers when you consider, you know, more efficient, seamless, and actually personalized value chains? Yeah, I think that you've just described um, most of my career, Robin. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I started in you know at Walmart way back when, and we were doing buying out of books. And you know, our open to buy process was, you know, I'll say very educated guessing was the best way I would describe kind of the way I did my open to buy process. And um, you know, we were really sophisticated if we put things into spreadsheets. You know. And, you know, I think I was the designated person. That's how I got into tech is I was the person who was the least afraid of the computer in the, in the team. And so I became the tech support and the person that ended up, you know, helping the company go through book-based buying to automated buying and, and you know, um, real-time replenishment processes. And so I've kind of been there in that ride of, 
you know, going yeah. in and talking to retailers about why tracking inventory is important and why real-time inventory tracking was important. You know, and that was way back when we don't need to date ourselves here. But, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I think that, that the changes now is it's giving tools to retailers that they've always needed and they've always known they've needed. Um, retailers, you know, some had to hit that maturity curve differently because we all as buyers believed that our gut reaction was the best and we were better than a computer um, because we knew our business and we lived our business. And there's some truth to that in some areas, but we still, you know, we have modern tools now that have absolutely changed the landscape and it helped us to optimize with sophisticated math that we just can't do in our heads. That's just the reality. And so as we move forward, I'm seeing those tools get better and better and better. And they, they are now, um, I'd say absolutely in most industries um, outperforming really seasoned buyers that, that are pretty good at their job. Yeah. And we see these algorithms start to outperform seasoned buyers. Now, can they detect trends and fashion trends? Uh, sometimes, yeah, we, we're even seeing that. And, you know, maybe not as well as somebody who's creating a trend, but definitely being able to respond and um, improve those inventory levels lots of progress there. Yeah. So I, I, I'm excited about what we're going to see in the future with that as we start, you know, layering in more intelligence into that, into that conversation. Yeah. So I'm going to, I want to get one last question in here, Stacy, um, cause we're running short on time. Give me a quick kind of macro snapshot of the future landscape, kind of the balance of digital and physical commerce uh, and the balance between small neighborhood stores and big box stores and other fundamental changes for wholesale and retail uh, that you might can think of, you know, like big picture, big, big uh, dynamic stuff. Well, I think that, you know, I'll talk about a couple other things that we're seeing happen and it it goes into the, the retail, the retailer needing to establish themselves as part of the community um, mm-hmm. Rural communities is an example. There's still a lot of rural communities out in the U.S. I'll use U.S. as the example, but every every country where that do not have internet connectivity, and we're seeing this now with COVID, and as students are needing to to you know do their schoolwork from home, there's a there's still a lot of um, the U.S. and the rural communities that are not connected today, and that one of the trends that um, we're seeing, and I, I really love this trend is the retailers who service the rural communities starting to offer Wi-Fi for their communities and um, starting to fix that problem. And so they're taking a more proactive stance within the community and, and being a, um, a role model in the community on, on, and, under, and showing the community how they're going to give back and how they're going to participate. So seeing that, and that's, that's absolutely delightful to see, uh, we, I think we have to see more of that. And those are the retailers who are going to be rewarded down mm-hmm. the road, when especially when we come out of this, um, so that I, I think you know, continuing to embed into the community and, and be a, a positive impact on that community, we're going to see that, and and where at least I'm hopeful that we continue to see that. Um, now on the digital side, I do think that we are also going to start seeing an influx of um, real time delivery, and um, you know 
the stores becoming part of that supply chain, which again, we've been talking about for a long time, but they really need to get there now. Um, if you want um, same day delivery, which is going to be, it's going, it's coming. If you want same day delivery, you're going to have to deliver it from a local store and you're going to yeah. have to have partnerships with, with organizations that, you know, can help you do that. And so we're seeing that conversation come up quite a bit and all the technologies to enable that um, to, to, to happen. You know, we've just gotten done struggling with omni-channel as an industry and we're still struggling through it. So now we're taking what yeah. we, you know, um, we're saying ship from store and buy online, pick up in store. And that was hard. Now we're going to be doing ship from store um, in an accelerated pace, real time, same day. And so that I think is the next thing that retailers are going to have to really wrap their heads around about where, where we want to go and how we want to prepare for that. Yep. Well, I think that's, I think that's it, Stacy. And I want to thank you so much again. You are terrific. And I look forward to seeing you once the, once the, the COVID-19 lifts, I look forward to seeing you in person again. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of our listeners as well. Um, and look forward to our next conversation on Robin Lewis on tap. Thanks again, Stacy. Yep. Thanks for having me, Robin. Thank you for tuning in to the Robin report podcast series. If you want to find out more behind today's program, be sure to check out the robinreport.com and sign up for our email list for the daily digital reporting on everything of importance in the retail and related industries. The Robin Report is a trusted source of knowledge, insight, and analysis for today's retail leaders. Stay connected with Robin Lewis on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website for upcoming episodes. We look forward to your joining our next episode.